This is the Sandman on TV Podcast Industries, and we're discussing the Sandman Chapter 4, A Hope in Hell. Hello, Dream. Greetings to you, Lucifer Morningstar. And to you, Mazakino the Lilim. Greetings, Dream Lord. You look well, Dream. Are you well? And your family? Destiny? Death, despair, and the others? I presume the ruler of hell knows this is no social call. Have you come to join forces then? To ally your realm to ours? To acknowledge the sovereignty of hell? You know my feelings on that, Lightbringer. Feelings change. Especially when one has been caught and imprisoned by mortals. We expected better of you, sweet Morpheus. I have come because my helm of state was stolen from me. I believe one of your demons has it. I should like it back. Now. Welcome back, fellow dreamers. This is TV Podcast Industries, and we are discussing The Sandman Chapter 4, A Hope in Hell. Yes, we are getting warm under the collar (laughs) and hot around the edges, I guess, uh, as we discuss this fourth episode of The Sandman series on Netflix. I am one of your hosts, John. And I'm your other host, Derek, for this one. Uh, just to tell us this time, talk about uh, this episode of Sandman. Lots and lots of recording going on on TV Podcast Industries at the moment, so we decided to uh, uh, split our efforts so that we can get through all the stuff that we're covering at the moment. Yes. Uh, Chris can't be with us, so uh, we hope to see him again soon we're we on the other podcasts that we're doing. We yes. will. Yes, we've got She-Hulk and we've got uh, Umbrella Academy at the moment that we're doing, so uh, Chris will be on the other ones of those. Yes, definitely. Uh, we hope you're enjoying The Sandman as much as we are. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you are new to TV Podcast Industries, please head on over to our website at tvpodcastindustries.com where you can subscribe on any dreamlike or nightmarish podcast player of your choice. And of course, we love to hear from you for our feedback section as well. So you can send in your feedback by email to feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com. Let us delve into our spoiler-filled discussion of episode four, Mm -hmm. A Hope in Hell. Derek, what are some of the episode details? Well, the executive producers for the show are Alan Hamburg, Neil Gaiman, and <laughs> David S. Gore. Uh, this episode was written by Austin Guzman, and previously written for Scandal and Grey's Anatomy. Interesting. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. And the episode was directed once again by Jamie Childs, who directed episodes two, three, and four, and also directs the next episode, episode five. John, do you want to tell us what they gave us with your synopsis for Sandman Chapter 4, A Hope in Hell? Sure. To retrieve his helm, Morpheus descends into hell with his raven companion Matthew, where they meet Lucifer Morningstar, the realm's ruler. Using his recovered pouch of sand, Morpheus finds the demon Charonzon with his helm, but in order to get it back, the demon challenges Morpheus to a game of wits. Morpheus chooses to represent himself in the challenge, but the demon chooses Lucifer as his champion. 
Morpheus eventually wins the challenge by invoking hope, a concept which Lucifer recognises as unbeatable, and is able to regain his helm. Before he leaves, Lucifer promises to one day kill Morpheus. Mm. Meanwhile, the recently liberated John Dee is offered assistance by a good Samaritan to retrieve the ruby, but not before Morpheus discovers its whereabouts and the fact that John has altered the item to attune to his own wishes and nobody else's, leaving Morpheus unconscious and without his ruby. John Dee arrives and retrieves the ruby and passes on the protection amulet to his terrified rescuer, Rosemary, deciding that she needs the protection more than he does. Now he has his ruby. Excellent. Two big storylines from the comics here uh, combined into one here. We've got Passengers, which is the story of John Dee uh, on his travels. And we've got, uh, yeah, Hope and Hell, the trip to hell uh, to battle Lucifer for the helm. So still on this quest, effectively, to get uh, all Hubba's three items back uh, for Morpheus. Yes, it is effectively two down and one to go. Mm, but that he's right la- there. He had it in his hands. It, it is right there. <laughs> that last one is going to prove uh, a little tricky. I think it will, yeah. Uh, to be honest, given that it, it seems to do that power pulse that knocks him away from it. Yeah. 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 But I think, before we spoil it too much, b- b- without <laughs> getting into detail, let's get into our top moments uh, from this episode of The Sandman. Mm-hmm. Uh, first up, it is The Passengers, yeah. the John D. storyline, with effectively his driver or his chauffeur, yeah. uh, poor old Rosemary. Oh, this is such a fabulously translated story. The tension that rises through H. The, at the moments with Rosemary and John D. in the car, I think are just fantastically done. Very different from the comic books. We mentioned before that John Dee was a villain that was locked up in Arkham Asylum in the comic books. Um, he takes the car by force. He, te- he takes out a gun and, and uh, holds it on the driver to uh, to take him to where he's where he wants to go to. Whereas here we have this good Samaritan Rosemary who um, who picks him up, helps him find a slipper that he seems to have lost, and treats him like a kindly old man almost. That's kind of unaware of his surroundings. So um, so takes him on this journey with him and. And I really like how the tension, as I said, rises between the two of us. She realizes what John D's all about and his history and what got him to where he was. It's, ab- yeah, it's absolutely fantastic. I mean, it's interesting that you say the comics, it's more of a hijacking, mm. really, at gunpoint rather than this hitchhiker, good Samaritan yeah. uh, notion. Because I think the good Samaritan aspect works really, really well. I mean, yeah. you know, as the audience, we see Rosemary and, you know, she, pulls over because he's in the middle of the road having been kind of disorientated and knocked off his feet by looking for his slipper as he mm-hmm. crosses the road and all the cars going past him and then simply offers well is there anywhere that I can take you to and you know it's it's to find the ruby and it's on her way to where um Rosemary's going so yeah. you know this is all really kind of like nice of, of Rosemary and it is just that whole moment of you know, her behind the wheel, hearing John D matter of factly talk about, you know, murder, mm-hmm. uh, arson, and and all of this, uh, and you know, it, it's it's not that John D. I mean, I like this version of John D that mm-hmm. doesn't do a hijacking, but goes on his way, and but is so set in his his aim in his his, his mission. 
yeah. that he doesn't want to hear people lie. And he applies that without bar to everyone who he meets that mm-hmm. or is unlucky enough to be in his presence for too long. And here, Rosemary is stuck in the car with him. And yeah. so it all begins to 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 tease out when, you know, after hearing that he's murdered people, he, he's a general bringer of mayhem. Mm. But they um, were bad people. And, and an arsonist. But yeah. exactly, they were <laughs> bad people. It's that matter-of-fact tone. John D. It's almost, well, I'm telling the truth here. I've yeah. done this stuff. This is what I thought mm-hmm. uh, of these people. And um, I'm telling the truth. Therefore, I'm not bad because so many people lie. Yes. And yeah. Rosemary, you know, I could just imagine being behind the wheel like Rosemary and just sort of, you know, grabbing onto the steering wheel tighter yeah. and tighter and tighter. And because she stops for petrol to try and call the cops, sees the amulet of protection in action with the mm-hmm. guy behind the counter at the gas station, yep. then it just becomes, uh, you know, more uh, and more tense. John realizes that she's lied and, you know, again, learns that he's been in a psychiatric hospital for, for 30 years, effectively. So I just love the tension that yeah. this generated. I mean, you were going, okay, Rosemary's a goner here. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just couldn't, I mean, you, there's the tension of a gun being pointed at you. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And yeah. you can have that, but this is just so much more subtle yeah. uh, in, in that sense. And I think, and, you know, and I'll... unknown to Rosemary. I mean, she doesn't know before the gas station yeah. that that amulet can do what it does. Absolutely. You know, yeah. um, she doesn't, She's only just met um, John D, mm-hmm. you know, and so it starts off as this, well, I'm doing my good deed to to bring this seemingly sort of disorientated man mm-hmm. to a place that will be safer for him. And in the end, it gets into, you know, a, a, a moral debate about whether she is a liar, ultimately, yeah, and um, whether she believes in lies. And that is... You know, her answers tip the balance as to whether John D thinks they're a worthy person or not, yeah, you know, and exactly. it's just so sort of creepy because it's completely out of her control. It's yeah. it's the gun to the back of the head without the gun. Exactly. Um, and without her knowing it for the most part of the journey. Yeah. Uh, until the gas station. Like so you, you really I loved ha- it. Yeah, you really have to give it to the two performers here. Uh, David Phillips yeah. is well-known, uh, a really good actor, and he really gets across that creepiness of this character. And then uh, Sarah Niles playing Rosemary here is just, she feels really sweet, and she feels like, you know, she's got, got herself into this really bad situation that she can't get herself out of. It is that moment where she realizes, after he's saying he's killed a few people, but they weren't very, they weren't very nice people, um, that he's seemingly justifying all of the bad things that he's done in his life um and he's connecting it to people who lie saying that people people lie out of fear people lie out of anger people lie out of aggression yeah Uh, do you lie he says to rosemary and she's saying no no that was my former husband i never lie uh he was the liar in our relationship kind of thing so she's building a platform with him she's building this um understanding with him and he feels he's getting his point across and his justification across for why he's done what he's done. And again, even when the guy in the gas station dies, it's because he shot a bullet at John D and the amulet stopped it and killed him. It's not because John D 
murdered him. Yeah. Yeah. So again, another way of John D able to justify uh, what's happened to you. Well, that's it. He also asks about whether she lies to her children as well. Mm-hmm. And it, more kind of pressure on, well, if I answer this the wrong way, what's going to happen? Exactly. Um, I think what's interesting as well is, is, is John D here is fundamentally believes that people are selfish and mm-hmm. that's why they lie. Yeah. Um, and I think the saving grace for, for Rosemary is even when they've arrived at the de- destination and John D has gone in to get the ruby is that Rosemary unknowingly sticks around mm. here uh, and offer. I mean, I, I love that she says, I know I'm going to regret this, but uh, offers a lift um, to, to John D. Yeah. And it's like, you know, are you going to kill me? Just don't harm Susie, her Rottweiler who's mm. with her. Don't harm my children. And I think that, um, selfless act, mm-hmm. given the conversation beforehand, I think John D realizes that whatever it is, I'm still not entirely sure. Um, I thought the gas station was going to be the turning turner, really. Right. But John D, I think because of the, the selfless act of A, just offering the lift, mm-hmm. but saying, I'm going to regret this. And if you are going to kill me, don't harm my dog. Yeah or my kids mm-hmm. probably is enough to to sort of switch John D to then ultimately um realizing that at her heart Rosemary is this kind good yeah. person Absolutely. and that's why he gives her the amulet of protection mm. because well you're going to need it now yeah yeah and and nobody can touch you now even me it almost seems like she's shown him how scary he is to her um, yeah. in a polite enough way that it didn't make him do anything effectively. Because again, to his mind, he's not doing anything here. He's not carrying a gun where he can pull the trigger and kill her. If she attacked him, the amulet would protect uh, would protect John D and kill her. So um, this again is different from the comic. In the comic, uh, it doesn't end well for uh, for the driver. So I, I I like the spin that they've done on this story. It gives it gives more. Um, it gives more tension to the scene and gives more for the actors to do uh, in the scene. And I, and I wonder this, this, uh, this item that she has, this orb of protection, you know, we, we've seen that it's given long life to people. Will we see Rosemary back in another episode? Yeah, in a future maybe. Season? Yeah. So, uh, so it, that, that is where the story ends. Uh, John D has recovered his Ruby, which he's uh, put his stamp on and, and now is the only one that can use. So um, I guess we're going to have to see showdown between him and, uh, and Morpheus in the future for that. that I'm, I'm guessing so. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, but shall we move on to our other journey yes. here, which is the journey through hell, our, oh, yeah. our next uh, top moment. And uh, at least from my side, you know, I, I guess, you know, as as a child um, and, you know, my, my vicar probably wouldn't be too pleased, but hell looked amazing, um, <laughs> you know, in terms of the visuals, at least. Um, I just loved the whole look and feel about that. Yes, there was fire, but it wasn't, it was just more barren, mm-hmm. actually. Uh, and I really yes. liked the representation of it. I thought, uh, Lucifer Morningstar's pal- palace, just the look of it was amazing. And yeah. certainly with the, the, the pentagraph door, mm-hmm. um, really good. I loved, I loved the response of Matthew in, in these moments on our, on our journey <laughs> through hell, where the blood starts seeping out mm. into the grooves 
in front of the door and he's like, right, I'm just going to take off here and fly around and, and keep my feet out of the, the blood that's oozing to help open the door. Absolutely. And even his comment on the fact that there's no fire in hell, except what the lost souls are bringing themselves. Yes, exactly. <laughs> carrying the torches to walk um, through. I it, loved this, it. Yeah. And I think the other bit as well, I loved how, you know, like where the gate was mm-hmm. um, with the rocks being made out of the souls and the mm-hmm. bodies of people and the same with them kind of um, almost grafted into the tree yeah. as well. And again, I Amazing. really enjoyed that moment of Matthew flying up to try and see where squatter bloat um, that has was the gatekeeper mm-hmm. demon who had let them into hell to see where he was after they had lost him in, in the woods. And there's, yeah, or just all these <laughs> souls grafted yeah. to the, the trees. And he's like, no, I'm not going to do that. Yeah. So I really enjoyed that. It was a real nice little light relief of, of this journey to, uh, Lucifer's palace. Yeah. Uh, and I really enjoyed it. Uh, absolutely loads. brilliant production design here. Um, you know, the visuals again coming really strongly through from the comic as their guide, but seeing them, you know, in live action is still something that I didn't think was possible. Um, and it's real human bodies moving in the in the walls of yeah. that gate. You know, it's it's there's definitely something really creepy about the way that they've done it, and it comes across really well. And I'm sure it, it's a representation of, of the comics. Mm. I am um, interestingly. With the gates of hell, I loved the design, but mm-hmm. they were smaller than I thought they would be. Right. And, and certainly when compared to Morpheus's gates, which are mm-hmm. absolutely sort of massive. And mm-hmm. um, so I was thinking, you know, is that where the envy comes from Lucifer with, <laughs> with Morpheus? He's got better sort of front gates yeah. than, than Lucifer does. I mean, I thought they were like amazing, mm-hmm. the design of them, just that crookedness. And yeah. um, it's the same with the, the bars on the prison where it's almost like mm-hmm. huge thorns um, and so on. I really, yeah. really enjoyed that. Yeah, really cool. I, I wonder if it's just because uh, Morpheus dreams bigger, John. Maybe, exactly. <laughs> uh, that's it. But uh, yeah, just just wanted to kind of call out the production design here uh, again, because this show is going to so many different places, different uh, different time periods, different, uh, different realms now. Um, and I think each time they're taking a real opportunity to create something stunning looking. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Really cool. Um, I, I liked uh, as well that, you know, just before entering the gates, you, you kind of get that warning um, that from Morpheus is that, you know, the last time he was there, he mm-hmm. was an envoy of his realm, invited, um, you know, that Lucifer actually invited himself. This time, th- it's slightly different in mm-hmm. that. Morpheus is imposing, is inviting himself exactly. to come, is imposing himself on Lucifer's time uh, and schedule, yes. I guess, yeah. of, of tormenting people. Well, um, so, yeah, kind, kind of, I suppose it's, it's, it's a similar thing to um, going to somebody else's home. If you're invited there, they must break bread with you and they must uh, treat you with, with respect. Uh, give you all the privilege of, of a guest until you leave. Whereas here, he's invited himself, which kind of means he loses that protection. You probably remember that from Game of Thrones. That was a big George R. R. Martin thing about people going to the other houses of their enemies. Once you're there, you have to be treated as a guest, and then you can leave. Anybody that breaks that um, is really frowned upon. So similar kind of idea here in Sandman that Morpheus 
has kind of given up that protection because getting his helm back is so important to himself yeah. that effectively he can't be treated or wouldn't be treated as a guest by Lucifer. Uh, Lucifer may play tricks on him or may do something to keep him there in the realm. Yeah, definitely. Mm. And they kind of do, which is the next part of the journey through hell. Um, Squatter Bloat takes Morpheus past the cage of Nada. Yes. Now, the full story isn't told in this episode. This is a very big, uh, this is an entire issue in the comic books, uh, the story of who Nada is uh, and who Morpheus, a.k.a. Lord Kaikul, was and the connection between the two of them um you you saw it on screen you saw just this you haven't read the comic books john what did you think of this uh concept did you get the idea of who nada could be um i thought it was really interesting i mean i i just assumed morpheus was potentially shape-shifting i didn't necessarily uh i wasn't i wasn't a hundred percent clear on mm-hmm. this i thought it was cool that there was this bond i i just assumed that it was a former queen of the dream realm that had mm. been um disobedient or had ha- hadn't committed um to to him i mean mm-hmm. we like we do hear morpheus say to nada you know i still love you but mm-hmm. i don't forgive you and um, yeah. matthew asking the question you know who was that she disobeyed me mm-hmm. and has been there now for 10,000 years yes um but i didn't get the sense of another life Mm-hmm. I thought it was potentially um his his chosen queen then mm-hmm. um and he had shapeshifted into a different form and that was the form he was taking in that moment mm-hmm. um as the the lord of dreams yeah um, so but I in speaking with you I got the sense that this was actually just from a completely different time so well a, a completely different time as in ten thousand years ago i suppose that the whole point of uh of morpheus is he's an endless he's a member of the endless therefore eternal um what may not be clear i suppose is a dream appears whatever way the dreamer sees dream so because uh nada had seen him as lord kaikul in yeah, the past, okay. he's appearing as Lord Kaikul to her there. And yeah, most of the story is there on screen. I just don't want to, I don't want to spoil what it is that's happened between the two of them. I think there's, that's the last bit of the story that the last piece that needs to be added to it, which will be added in a later, uh, a later story, I believe. But, um, but yeah, you're, you're pretty right. There's a relationship with them. Uh, he's, he's in love with her. It's been 10,000 years and something happened between them that has caused her to be sent to the realm of hell. Uh, and it is, Effectively, squatter blows and Lucifer rubbing salt in the wounds yeah. of uh, of Morpheus before he gets to them, saying, "Look what we have here. We haven't forgotten that you've left her in this realm." Effectively, yeah, yeah, so. it's putting putting him on edge, distracting him mm-hmm. with it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and um, so yeah, it was it was really interesting moment and one that is totally intriguing, and mm-hmm. and so really hope that they do come back with um the 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 wider story of this because yeah. um yeah it is i mean i said disobeyed but i think morpheus has defied him so mm. you know it it's it seems quite important it is yes good stuff <laughs> i'll leave it there i don't want to i don't want to spoil anything further out there because we need to get to the verbal battle for the dream helm which is the, the real central moment of the story we find out that the demon who's uh, taken the helm of morpheus or who gotten the helm of morpheus is Kronzon. um this really odd 
pink-skinned uh, demon. Uh, comic books has two mouths, um, which is always really creepy, and I wondered how they pull that off. They didn't. They just went for uh, one mouth. He's, he just looks a bit weird, um, but all demons do. All demons look very odd. He does look still quite similar. The pink hair and the and the spike, sorry, the pink uh, skin and the spiky hair is very similar to his uh, his um, look in the comic books as well. But uh, but he's always had two mouths, um, yeah. which uh, which looks even creepier. So I was I, I'm surprised they didn't include that because they've been so close uh, to the comics. Uh, Definitely, yeah. yeah. I mean, I think first off, I have to say, I just really enjoyed uh, Gwendolyn Christie as, as Lucifer. Mm-hmm. It was kind of um, because it, it wasn't played evil, evil. It was just, it was almost played, this is Lucifer, yeah. you know? And I just really enjoyed just the presence that she had. I mean, with the the, the white and the, the black wings, mm-hmm. I thought it was really great. Um, kind of that contrast was really great. Um, I, I love the fact that, you know, it almost got a sense uh, of resentment towards uh, Morpheus mm-hmm. as well. That you know he he's he's pretty um, he's pretty good at what he does, and I think a lot of the other um, you know kings and queens of realms mm. and brothers and sisters of the D clan, I guess, um, <laughs> you know, have a bit of envy ultimately yeah. over some of the things that he can do Absolutely. and the type of power that he has. Yeah. And I think the connection in there for Lucifer and you hear them asking, will it is a time now for us to merge our realms? The, the connection between the two is Lucifer is the Lord of demons and Morpheus is the Lord of Nightmares, and demons and nightmares are quite similar things for a lot yeah. of people. So, uh, in Lucifer's mind, it's kind of going well. Synergy. If, if we put these two together, then some of our demons can run riot in the heads of humans. Yeah. You know? um, so there's a, there's a bit of that. There's, bit of, there's definitely the tension there between the two of them. But again, played with this. I'll call it a bit stiff upper lip British uh, kind of feel about the conversation yeah, mate, yeah. between the two of them. It's still very polite between the two Definitely. of them. Um, you can you can sense lot- those barbs underneath, though. Yeah, exactly. It's it's a lot of protocol, mm. a lot of kind of this official, almost diplomatic protocol. But yeah, underneath you get a real sense of resentment. Yes, um, and it, it's even got the sense that. Morpheus plays up to this as well. So he's a little bit more obnoxious in terms mm-hmm. of how, um, how he, because he knows, you know? Yeah. Um, so I really, really enjoy have, have a long history, um, together as, as heads of their realms. I suppose they've, they've had a lot of dealings over the years as well. Yeah. Uh, Gwendolyn Christie is fantastic in this. We, we know her obviously really well as Brienne of Tarth, uh, from Game of Thrones, one of the, one of our favorite characters from, from Game of Thrones over those many, many seasons. But, uh, lovely little touches here. She, she's the one that reached out to ask for this role and thought she'd be great for it. And she truly looks the part side by side with yeah. the panels looks fantastic as Lucifer but also um her partner is uh is a, a, a dress designer and he's the one that designed the outfits that Lucifer wears okay excellent <laughs> e- even with when they go into verbal battle modes mm. they do wear their S&M verbal battle modes um, <laughs> they do now I'm not sure I if thought it was like really good I loved yeah. how it, it suddenly went all kind of leather slash PVC uh on it it went very matrix didn't it 
Yeah, very shiny. Yes, yeah, yes, yes. Sh- shiny Lucifer Morning Star and very sort of um, leather Morpheus. Yes, yes. Have a look. There's a, a good uh, a good chat between Gwendolyn Christie and uh, Tom Sturridge where they watch this scene and, and kind of uh, feedback their thoughts on the fight. Um, and I love the I love how Netflix posted it saying we asked them to comment on the fight and we had no idea what we were going to get and they really don't talk about the fight at all. They just comment on the, on things like uh, they can see each other in in the leather outfits that are, that they're wearing and stuff. So uh, it's very funny but not very informative, let's yeah. say. <laughs> but I mean, this, this exactly. I mean, mm. but this challenge then is is really good. I, I, I like. Yes, I um, know what you thought of this. Yeah, I just thought it was really good how this this verbal battle of, of what effectively can do damage to you through the spoken word mm-hmm. and which takes physical representation. And you know, so you have the the, the wounds uh, or or the effects of what has been um verbalized yes. taking shape and like again another little nod to um the 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 universes or the galaxies in in the eyes of morpheus where he says i am a universe mm-hmm. um, and it goes through his eyes uh, which was really nice moment very cool um and like this is a real neil gaiman thing this is something yeah. that only Neil Gaiman has been able to pull off in his writing and books. So it's really interesting to see something like this brought to life. And I'm sure the production designer and the, the directors and the, the people at Warner Brothers who are making the show were kind of wondering, could they pull this back? Because a lot of CGI work here, a lot of um, things that need to be created and th- things that need to be filmed to get the power of what they're saying to each other. And I'm sure they were kind of going, can we just have three things, maybe not nine or not, uh, not, you know, the, the constant back and forth that you're, that's happening here. You know, it goes from the dire wolf stalking its prey to the, the man on, on a horse, um, as a hunter to the snake that attacks a horse, um, the eagle that attacks the snake. You know, I, I love how it's, how it's going through each of those. And then it gets more and more intense as, um, as Lucifer is calling that she's the butcher back bacterium um which will which will destroy all life and then it comes to morpheus with i am a world an entire planet um life nurturing and then it's a nova planet cremating and it just gets more and more intense until the biggest thing is lucifer saying that she is anti-life the beast of judgment the dark at the end of everything and morpheus finds the one thing that can defeat all is hope yes it was really good. And I, I liked, you know, with the pep talk from Matthew here as well, because I mean, Morpheus is on the ground. I mean, it seems like Morpheus almost has a bit of the upper hand right at the start where the direwolf didn't really seem to have an effect on him, whereas mm. he gets a shot in with the arrow from the hunter. Yes. Um, and, but by the end of it, having gone through the butcher bacterium and effectively a nova, mm-hmm. uh, a supernova, yeah. and then anti-life, he's, he's pretty, um, he's pretty out of it. But I, I love the, the hope element here, mm-hmm. um, that, that, that comes forth. And I, I think, I think it's, I think, I think it's not only that. I mean, ultimately we have, you know, Lucifer Morningstar being publicly humiliated here, mm. uh, in front of all the demons. Uh, Matthew calls this out, but again, 
it ends up with a, a win for, for Dream in, in this verbal battle. And he does get uh, his helm back. Um, and I, I loved how the conversation then went because you have, it's a bit to the point of almost Morpheus playing it up where he's very officious and it's very protocol. You know, the ruler of hell is honorable. And you, it's the moment where almost that protocol dissolves because of how Morpheus has, 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 has intonated it to mm. Lucifer, who, who who kind of goes, "Honorable, you're joking." You know, it's kind of, "I'm I'm I'm not." Um, and she she retorts with, "What power do dreams have in hell?" <laughs> and I love the twist on it in the sense of, you know, what power does hell have without dreams? How do you keep these souls, these demons here, if not for the hope that they might escape exactly. or escape to something better or you know, or hope to a to go back to a previous life out of agony mm-hmm. and, and torment. You or know, hope so, to go to heaven. Yeah. So really, really good, and yeah. I, I loved that. I think the other thing I didn't really touch upon. I loved how Morpheus used the sand to locate the helm from all the demons yeah. that were there. You know, because you have how am I, how are you going to find it? <laughs> you know, there's that awkwardness of. Well, who has it? Well, I don't know. Um, just call all of them. Yeah. Every single one of them. And, and it's a real stand. Uh, it's a real show of strength, I suppose, from, uh, from Lucifer. Uh, yeah. You know, uh, it, it's really interesting. It's a, it, these are stories that Gaiman uses quite a lot. Obviously, with Good Omens, we, we talked about, uh, the demons of hell and the, and the angels of heaven. He does like to, uh, use the, the, concepts of heaven and hell quite a lot so uh, i think great to see this portrayal of uh, of lucifer on screen i really hope we get to the next time we see lucifer uh, in the story i hope we get a second maybe even a third season to to get to that point because the next story is my favorite of the lucifer stories okay excellent stuff mm. yeah great stuff well let us move on to our final top moment um yes. of this this is the ruby being retrieved by by John D. Mm. Uh, and ultimately, you know, we've touched on it before that now he has, now Morpheus has his helm. Now that he has his sand, he's able to locate the ruby. Yes. Except as he goes to pick it, pick it up, he realizes it's not the same item. It's not the same object that he had. That it'd been, mm-hmm. It's been altered um, by someone else to a different purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, and this blast of rejection effectively from the ruby itself, yeah. because he's not that person, um, knocks him and Matthew out. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, that was really interesting concept that, you know, the ruby has been altered. And I mean, okay, it's not as such explained here, but, you know, how John D has been able to do that mm. ultimately, you know, what I, I guess a lot of reading in, in the past when he was able to discover that you could alter it yeah. and, and so on. So I yeah. guess that sounds like a really intriguing story behind that alteration of the Ruby mm. as well, which I'm hoping we get to see because I just find that kind of fascinating and yeah. um, yeah. because a mortal has altered the object from an endless yeah. uh, in the same way as the retort of Lucifer saying you were captured by mortals, mm-hmm. not something that would ever happen to me. Yeah. Uh, so, and, and once again, just because you've mentioned that line from Lucifer again, another being knew where 
Morpheus was yes. for those hundred years and didn't go anywhere near them, didn't even send demons to taunt him yeah. in his capture, knew he was there. But uh, but a really interesting one. It's something that's obviously going for the first episode. Only on episode four of the show, he effectively has had his hands on all three of the tools that he's coming to collect um, at this stage. So uh, I love the way that they have incorporated this back in, him using the sand to find the helm in, in hell, then using the helm to find the ruby, and now he's got the ruby, but it's no longer his ruby so he now has to a very powerful item has now changed ownership effectively yeah so, exactly uh, so that's quite interesting i suppose we did hear john d talk to ethel um his mother earlier on in the season saying to her we have the power of the ruby and we can remake the world in our own image yes. so it effectively grants wishes or creates dreams into reality so, so if one of the dreams was that the ruby was his and his only to control that would be yeah. how he's made it. So the, the ruby, it, it is ultimately the ownership and who owns it mm-hmm. of, of the ruby that in some ways um, dictates the type of power it might be. And Morpheus's, you know, raison d'etre, his reason is the creator of dreams and, and, and nightmares. And mm-hmm. that's what this ruby does. But in the hands of, of, of John D. There's a different wish there. And maybe, exactly. as you say, with the presence of the helm and the pouch of sand being possibly close by mm. with John getting this fascination, maybe that also, you know, aided that, that transformation, that alteration of the ruby. So mm. I, I was kind of fascinated by, by this. And, mm. um, and I felt like, you know, maybe the, the true explanation, it didn't quite come out there, but it, it didn't need to for me. Mm. It, it it was intriguing, and I felt I'd like to learn about how he was able to do that. Yeah. But it could be, yeah, as simple as the ownership. So I really, yeah, or, or the fact that he dreamed it, therefore it's now reality. Yeah, he did exactly. say it to Ethel that the ruby is his, and nobody else can use it. He said yeah. that before uh, she died. So, yes, yeah, um, so yeah. I thought that was really, really good, uh, yeah. and that kind of rejection of the ruby of its former master. So. Uh, yeah, I really enjoyed that. And I guess um, retrieving the ruby ultimately isn't going to be as easy as uh, Morpheus first thought. Yes, exactly. Exactly. We'll see a bit more of that, I'm sure, in the next episode if it's uh, if it's taking the uh, the story that we think it's taken as, as we're going into uh, the next episode. Um, any thoughts, notes that we haven't talked about from the episode, John? Um, the only thing is, and it kind of maybe is just connected to the last point, I didn't mention it, is, you know, when John D has the ruby, he says he's going to use it to save the world. You know, in his mind, he's saving the world mm-hmm. uh, with the need to have everyone speak the truth. Yes. You know, so mm-hmm. I thought that was really good. Um, uh, and I think shout outs to, um, to Rottweiler Susie. Yes. That's super She's a good girl. A good girl, yeah. Good good dog. Good, good dog. dog. Good dog. Yeah. Also uh, another shout out to uh, to Mazagine of the Lilium. Um very cool to see Mazagine on screen. I think um she's been on screen in the Lucifer TV show uh before, so that character has appeared on screen, that Lucifer TV show uh, slightly based on this Lucifer character from Neil Gaiman, but a completely different character uh put on screen in, in the five seasons of Lucifer. Um but 
that's a, a little nod there. Um, as a keen, we, we hopefully will see uh, her back in the future okay, and get excellent. a bit more of the story of the uh, of the uh, half burnt face lady who uh, resides in hell alongside uh, Lucifer. Yes, because th- there did seem to be the intonation of a closer relationship between Morpheus and uh, Masakim mm. of the Lilium. Yes, yes, yeah. potentially. And um, we need to find out why yes. uh, she looks like that and uh, why she lives where she does. Exactly. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> Good stuff. Uh, overall, John, what did you think of the Sandman Chapter 4, I Hope in Hell? Um, I absolutely loved it. Um, I would give it five hellish hitchhikers oh, out of five. Fantastic. I mean, for me, this was, you know, two journeys, one through hell uh, and one through sort of figurative hell for, with Rosemary mm. uh, to to the Ruby uh, in, in Mayhew. And uh, I just really enjoyed the all of it. I think just mm. the performances, the visuals, the tension uh, between Rosemary and John, that realization of who the hell is in my back, who's on my back seat, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, the I, I'm glad Rosemary uh, wasn't bumped off effectively by John. I just thought it was a nice sort of aspect to that yeah, um, yeah. and it just so many different things uh, around you know the challenge um between dream and lucifer he's got his helm back uh, and yeah it was just all really good so much intriguing stuff here whether it was kaikul uh, and nada uh, and what happened there even the 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 history of Dream with Lucifer Morningstar, as well as Mazakim, mm. uh, the history of of John D, um, in terms of how he got, he how he was able to alter this ruby from mm. uh, you know, the realm of the dreams, and um, I just really, really enjoyed it. So, um, yeah, it's five hellish hitchhikers out of five from me. Fantastic. Derek, what did you think about the Sandman? Chapter four. This is fabulous. This is um the true melding of two great stories from the comic book and, and at the center of them, let's say four great performances um from from all of the actors involved in those scenes. And I loved how uh the John Dean Rosemary story really you could put that on stage as a short story. Um, a short yeah. tale with the two of them. Uh, there's not a huge amount going on other than the conversations and how they're delivered to each other. And then on the other side of it, you have the absolutely fantastical piece that's delivered so well in comic book form because you can draw whatever you want when you're, when you're drawing a page of comic book art. You yeah. can create whatever you want. Um, but the entirety of the, uh, the challenge back and forth between the two of the, of uh, skill, concentration and transformation, that challenge back and forth between the two is a battle of words taking form and it's done so well here for the show so a really expensive and extensive argument or a battle between two on one side and then a really toned down but really creepy tense um definitely discussion going on between another two about how the world is going i think the really beautifully paired together well done to the writer for uh for getting these together yeah. from from the book and and well done to, to everybody at warner brothers for putting this together on screen it's it's fantastic great job great job definitely 
Definitely. One of my favourite episodes so far this season. I think I've said that after every episode of the season. <laughs> and guess what, John? We're going to be coming up on episode five, which is 24-7, the scariest issue of uh, of Sandman that has ever been put together in the 75 issues well, of Sandman. Well, interesting, yeah. <laughs> Will it translate into a scary episode? Mm, or is it a see. different type of scare than I'm thinking of? Mm. More than likely, um, yes. I'm guessing. Uh, but... Great stuff. We really enjoyed the Sandman episode four. Mm -hmm. Uh, We hope you did too as well, fellow dreamers. But let us move in uh, to our feedback episode where we can delve into the thoughts and dreams of our fellow dreamers uh, as to what they thought about episode four. Yes, we should. Looking forward to hearing your thoughts. Yes. Remember, you can send in your thoughts, theories, comments, whatever it is to feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com or you can join our Facebook group over on facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash TV podcast industries where we have a spoiler post for each episode of The Sandman on Netflix as well. Mm -hmm. You can also send in voicemails if you want to by email or you can go to our website where you can record a a clip of 90 seconds uh, of your thoughts uh, that will also come to us as well. So we absolutely would love to hear from our fellow dreamers uh, and i think to kick us off from hearing from them uh, we come to coffee and vodka who says about episode four greetings fellow twist ended defenders looks like i spoke too soon dr destiny did indeed get his ride and what a ride it was and morpheus went to hell with matthew outside of a couple of zigs where a zag was expected which weren't bad at all this was the book brought to beautiful life. Gwendoline Christie made for a fantastic Lucifer, full of threatening grace. Mm-hmm. Dream countering with his own inner strength of purpose ripped straight from the pages. Patton's Matthew showed a performance I'd forgotten he was capable of, and the actor playing the driver of John D was completely convincing in her quiet terror. The details of Dream's... 10,000-year love, unforgiven in all its painful, tortured elegance. Yes, this is what this series can be, and in this episode was pure game and magic, a sheer masterpiece. Mm -hmm. Five hopeful hellscapes out of five. Peace and take care, coffee and vodka. Excellent stuff, coffee and vodka. Thank Mm. you so much uh, for the comments. Glad that... uh, this is getting into the groove and the wheelhouse uh, for you for sure. Yeah. And uh, I think you've right got it. Yeah, five out of five. Um, when it started, at two and a half out of five at the beginning of the season. I yeah. wonder if because this is the first episode that didn't feature Corinthian, I wonder if that's a reason for <laughs> well, it. Well, maybe, possibly, yeah. yeah. But I, I think, I think you have, you know, described some, some of the, the aspects of this so well, mm. you know, in terms of Lucifer being full of threatening grace, absolutely yeah. uh, spot on and the painful, uh tortured elegance of um of that 10,000 year love and, and betrayal mm-hmm. and uh, for, for certain i think with uh rosemary's sheer um quiet 
terror as yeah. she is holding on for dear life to the steering wheel. Yeah, Sarah, um, so, Sarah yeah, Niles. Really good. Excellent. Excellent in this episode. Really, really good. Yeah. Thanks so much, uh, Coffee and Vodka. Really good to hear from you for this episode. I'm sure we've got some more uh, feedback coming in from you as well uh, for the rest of the episodes. Over on Facebook, Victor Von Doom says, Greetings, dreamers. I must say, Gwendolyn Christie cleans up nice and is horrifying as Lisa from Morningstar. <laughs> the showdown in, in hell is scary as well. Hell. I enjoyed the trash talking or taunting between Morpheus and Lucifer. Will this become a three-way battle between John D. Dream and Corinthian with hell waiting on in the wings? Love the series and podcasts. Nighty night dreamers. Excellent stuff, Victor. Victor. Uh, Really good. Yes. I mean, you're right. It was just this, this uh, sort of high level diplomatic trash talking, Mm. you know, full of pointed taunting uh, between Morpheus and Lucifer and it was really really good um you know and just one upmanship uh, mm-hmm. which i guess when it comes to rel- you know realms of hell and dream uh then well yeah i wouldn't stay in the room <laughs> <laughs> yeah i don't i certainly wouldn't have the skill or the uh the concentration and focus that morpheus has so definitely really good stuff. yeah so really glad you're enjoying the series mm-hmm. as well and and our podcast really great to get your thoughts in so uh thanks again victor Yes, thanks, Victor. Uh, next up, Lara Willie Swink says, "Is it wrong for me to say that hell was beautiful?" <laughs> Not at all, Lara. <laughs> at all. Perhaps, like Lucifer, hell is all that was beautiful and glorious, but is now distorted and corrupted. Gwendolyn Christie was perfect as the Morning Star. The only thing I missed in hell was Lucifer explaining the new politics of the underworld and that it was no longer the sole monarch in hell. But I understand them removing the storyline for the sake of expediency and pacing. The challenge was beautifully imagined, especially with both both Lucifer and Dream decked out in their Hellraiser leather garb. The shot of Dream rising up with darkened eyes to say hope felt like it popped right out of the comics. On the other side, David Thewlis's subdued but malevolent performance made the tension between John Dee and Rosemary utterly palpable. But I'll admit, I did miss that one jaw drop moment from the comics when John Dee coldly murdered his kindly companion. For me, that was the red wedding moment in the comics that made me realize the true stakes of this story. Though I'm not sure how great a gift of an amulet of protection is from a, sp- a spiteful demon who has just been humiliated and defeated. Many characters and events have been toned down for the show, but I won't complain. This is a bigger media reaching a wider audience and needs to be more palatable. I am enjoying some of the changes, additions, and minimal character alterations and will enjoy this as a medium separate from, from but with the same DNA as the comics still happy and dreaming I give this a 9 out of 10 dreams of heaven thank you for the insightful coverage gents thank you so much Laura yeah thanks so much Laura um, I think uh, it's really interesting um, mm. because I haven't read the comics so I haven't seen uh, the that alternate ending effectively mm. the jaw drop and I think that's certainly um would be uh, for, for me i i need to read the comics don't yes, get me you. wrong um <laughs> but like my initial impression is that the jaw drop moment of him doing what he did in this episode without the gun and the hijacking element of mm-hmm. it it really would be um you know because he's kind of almost it's almost like he's trying to empathize and i think that's the I think that's the malevolence about what um, I think Lara talks about with David Thewlis's um, performance mm. as John Dee is that actually, if you 
you don't fully know him. It's almost like he's trying to empathize with you. Yeah. There's an empathy, which is always considered a good thing. So mm. you're kind of um, taken off guard when actually this probing on empathy about whether he can understand you mm-hmm. and he realizes it's probably very few people that he can he can empathize with yeah. and so all of a sudden it doesn't go the way of what you would think where there's and where someone's trying to empathize so yeah i i i think totally agree with yeah. you so i really want to kind of read that bit in the comments because yeah. i i thought what they did here with the two of them with rosemary and john d i, I really enjoyed yeah, yeah. I, I think it pretty much just drops john d into the complete villain uh mode whereas here he's threatening he's uh the, the, the tension is there he's really malevolent but you can still almost get past this idea that he might not be a villain maybe he has got a plan and he can justify that plan when he does that he would if he'd done that in the show he would absolutely have been a villain there's no coming back from that i suppose so part of the reason maybe for the setup for the next episode is uh, is to not have him as a villain and maybe some people could see eye to eye with what he's yeah. saying Okay, yeah, excellent. Yeah. Uh, thanks so much, Lara, for, for your feedback uh, and uh, comments. Coming. Really, really good. Keep yeah. them coming indeed, yes. Uh, Dr. Bob Phillips says, Wow, that's incredible the way they did the Tournament of Kings. The audio captured all sorts of images I never imagined could work on the screen, but they did. The mirrored battle in the waking world between kindness washed with the impurity of white lies and amoral selfishness tinted with his own rules for the world worked beautifully. Mm-hmm. Uh, could not agree with you more. Um, absolutely uh, thought it was just an incredible uh, sort of mirrored journey um, for these these gods and then these ordinary people, ultimately. Yeah. So, yeah, absolutely, uh, totally agree with you there, Dr. Bob. Uh, thanks so much for, for that feedback. And... Finally, Ben Rush says, I was kind of hoping for an Etrigan appearance, but maybe in Season of the Mist. Mm -hmm. Oh, I don't know that. But (laughs) Ben Rush continues, another well-done episode. Thanks so much, Ben. Absolutely. Thanks, Ben. Uh, Yeah, Etrigan, another one of the uh, demons of hell. So um, not appearing here, but then again, every single demon of hell did appear uh, in some way. I guess he was there in the mix, <laughs> in the in crowd. The yes, uh, we just all, all we can hope, and I'm enjoying the series enough to say all we can hope for is a season two, season three, season four. I think should cover uh, all of the uh, volumes of uh, of Sandman. Maybe, maybe they need five. I, I haven't done the calculations yet, but uh, but hopefully we'll at least get a season two. And if we do, uh, we may get season of the mists in there. Yes. Uh, thank you so much for joining us, fellow dreamers. That uh, brings us to the end of our podcast coverage mm-hmm. of chapter four of the sandman mm-hmm. a hope in hell yes uh, we hope you stay subscribed to the podcast and if you enjoy what you hear why not share it with your friends family or uh, neighborhood demons because sharing the podcast is of course sharing the terrified nature of lucifer morningstar sorry i mean love sharing the love Love of course yes (laughs) and you can also support us through patreon.com forward slash tv podcast industries as well uh, as 
buymeacoffee.com forward slash TVPI. Uh, any which way you decide to support us mm-hmm. um, is so very much appreciated. Absolutely. We'll be back next time for a discussion on the Sandman chapter 5, 24 7. Exciting. Interesting. Yes, I am looking forward to this one indeed. Yeah. Um, thank you so much, fellow dreamers, again, for chit-chatting with us. It's always great uh, to uh, talk with you about these great TV shows. Mm-hmm. And remember, in the meantime, keep watching, keep listening, and keep dreaming. Bye. Nighty-night. Nighty-night.